This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Danielle Bigby, welcome. I like want to get really in there with you because our producer Laura Lucchetti introduced me to your work and I have fallen deeply, madly, obsessively in love with you. Thank you. Good uh, morning. Good How morning. are you? I'm so good. Um, so can you introduce yourself to the audience and let us know who you are, what the pivot queen is, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Who am I today? Yeah. <laughs> Let's who are you see. today? Today I am, I'm a mom. I have a five-year-old daughter. I live in Miami and I'm a life and business coach. I mentor self-made CEOs, women in transition, creatives, entrepreneurs, actors, Hmm. uh, music, video directors, all sorts of people. And I am now creating a product-based business a functional mushroom line. I'm very passionate. Yeah, I'm super passionate about functional mushrooms. And um, what are functional mushrooms? Functional mushrooms are medicinal mushrooms such as reishi, lion's mane. They're non-psychoactive. Okay. And they're adaptogenic and they heal your body in so many ways. They prevent uh, disease, inflammation. They're amazing. I'm obsessed. I, did you see Fantastic Fungi on Netflix? I feel like you probably did. You're in the business. Of course I did. It was... And I was definitely microdosing. Oh, as am I right now. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but, as am I. Oh, I'm so glad to be riding yeah. this wave with you. Yeah. Um, but those are not psycho- like the ones that you're selling. How do they, are they teas? What are they? So we're creating a bunch of different products, but right now what we're working on is a coffee replacement because it was really healing during postpartum depression. Um, Yeah, so functional mushrooms are non-psychoactive, like I said, so they'll be in everything from pancakes to adapt uh, coffee replacement, all different kinds of products we're working on. Amazing. That's so amazing. We're in the very baby, baby stages. Mm -hmm. A product-based business is a beast. Is it? Let me tell you. Yeah, I'm on a big learning curve, but I'm here for it. That's why I call myself the pivot queen because I'm ready to change at any time. And it's really super fucking uncomfortable. Sorry. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? You're more than welcome to curse. Like part of the reason why I was so excited about having you on is because you're so fully embodied. Like everything about you I mean from what I see uh through your marketing you know like that could be a different story completely but wow it's so palpable and if cursing is part of your mo like let's bring it you know I'm gonna just take that in right here to feel fully embodied because that is truly something that the last two years that I've worked on Mm. personally is to feel integrated and whole and really at peace with exactly who I am Mm. so I will soak all that in thank you so much I appreciate that I really it makes me so happy that that comes through in my marketing even it really comes through yeah it feels so um authentic integrated is such a great word because you know just as Laura was introducing the two of us and she she knows that both of us are really um passionate about psychedelics and psychedelic healing and and motherhood um, you know, I, I think 
part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because it does feel fully integrated. You know, it's like we know that, you know, even even you um, introducing the concept in this conversation, it's been, what, like five minutes, you know, <laughs> just that, like, it helped in postpartum depression. Like, you're you're not in it. You know for sure that it was a successful experience for you. Um, and and, and e- even I, as, like, just a bystander, I'm like, wow, that is an embodied woman. That is a woman who is reaching for her pleasure and then oozing it out of every pore. Yeah. How yummy and delicious for the rest of us, <clears throat> including your yeah. child, I'm sure. Yeah, I I could tear up already. Like, we're, what are we, four minutes in? Yeah, it's, um, it's been a good four minutes. It's been a great four minutes. <laughs> yeah, you have me emotional over here. Um, what makes you emotional? Well, when you said for my daughter, because it's been such an important, it's been so hard as a mom to choose myself every step of the way yeah. because you really have to deny people's needs at the same time. Yeah. But you know what you're doing is essential to pour into yourself and to feel whole mm. and to be able to give back to your partner and to your child and to your community and to your clients. And so to, to separate yourself for a moment and choose yourself yeah. when it is so complex as a mother to do so, yeah. to get over the mom guilt and the shame that p- other people might think or your fear of what other people might think and to yeah. really choose yourself is such a complex thing, but it's such a pleasure. Yeah. And I tell my daughter, even at four and a half, three, two, I've always told her, mommy's going to take care of herself right now. Yeah. I'm going to go to a girl's dinner. I'm going to go out. I'm going to yeah. work out. I'm going to do these things because I'm going to be a better mom for you. Mm. And not only that, I want to be an example of you choosing yourself because I'm going to require that of you mm. as a woman. Mm. And that's what is required of you as a woman in this world. Oh my gosh. So, so much is coming up for me around like, you know, first of all, the reflection that is needed, <coughs> I think in, in community, like we need another woman to hold up a mirror and say thank you for choosing yourself thank you on behalf of all of us for choosing yourself and your juiciness and your your special spark because it's inviting me to do the same and that is a gift for my children that's a gift for my community it's part of the reason why this podcast exists is because we need to we, we need community as women so that we can reflect these, these truths back at each other. That in fact, just like you said, telling your daughter, I'm going to go take care of myself and I will require that of you to take care of yourself. That like hopefully you don't need to do any of this unlearning. Uh, because mm-hmm. I do think like, I don't know, I don't know if you're, if you have this experience, but like, the idea that somehow it's a betrayal to choose myself or nourish myself, it's somehow taking away from other people, that feels like a learned experience. That doesn't feel like truth with a capital T. Yeah. How interesting. I'm on my, it's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday. And I'm going to pick her up at the airport after this podcast recording. Mm. And it's interesting because it's not only a societal learning, but it's often learned directly from our own parents and our grandmothers and our aunts and 
the women in our lives who represent those people. And, um, yeah, I would consider my mom the Medusa, the keeper of all secrets and Mm. the selfless woman. Mm. And she's just now at, you know, 50 something years old, really stepping into who she wants to be as a person. And, you know, she didn't know any better. She was 22 years old when she had me Mm. and it was the eighties. So she was, she was doing the best she could, but yeah, not only have I had to unlearn so much that society implies and imposes upon us, but also my own mother wound and um, and really resolve that with my mom as becoming a mom. Do you resolve and that in the relational field or just in your own uh, sort of process? <clears throat> I had to first resolve it within myself because it came out as um, this is such a big topic because it came out as really a an anger and a resentment towards my mom. Right. And it's actually, I think, what caused a lot of my drive. My dad is very driven. He's very masculine. And I always perceived him as being stronger. Right. And more of something that I wanted to follow after although we have our own issues. Mm. Um, But I perceived her as very weak. And so a lot of it was this rebelliousness within me trying to, I didn't embrace my femininity. I didn't embrace my womanhood. I didn't embrace my fragility and my sensitivity for a really Mm. long time, except up until this past year. Mm. And, um, but healing the resentment towards my mom for not choosing herself actually Mm -hmm. allowed me to have more conversations with her and empower her and tell her I loved her and remind her how special she is in my life because I was withholding that and I never would want that for my own daughter. You know, it's so painful when our little ones reject us. Imagine Mm -hmm. like a lifetime of resentment from your adult child. And so it was this huge full circle moment and my daughter's turning five. So she's like, I don't want another hug, mommy. Stop telling me you love me. That's not cool. Oh, so I'm painful. like, oh, my God. It's I sent so my mom painful. flowers the other day for no reason. Yeah, it really. Yeah. My, my son is five and he very um, <clears throat> much preferred. I think it's getting it's changing now, but he very much preferred um, my husband for a long time. And I like took that really personally. Like it rocked me. It killed me and um I have like a a little one and I was like it's because I it's because you know we had a baby too soon uh, all the things I messed up and honestly a lot of it is totally developmentally appropriate Uh, around this time Mm -hmm. like around the fives there's something called the Oedipal phase do you know that myth where like Oedipus marries his mother and kills his father that like the influx of sex hormones sort of comes in around age five-ish. And so what, a, you know, what a, a child would do is say, I, I want to marry this, you know, parent and I want to kill this one. Of course, it feels that dramatic and it's not at all a sexual experience, but, you know, it's it's normal. It's normal to want mm-hmm. a, a little bit of distance and, and some intense closeness. And I just took it so personally, partially because I have very similar mother wounds and it's what's interesting is like my mother did did everything for me everything and totally you know 
betrayed her own needs in that process out of love. Mm-hmm. And actually, in my very first psychedelic experience, it was a really beautiful sound bath experience. Um, I had this exp- I had this realization that the most painful part of my childhood was that I had so much love to give my parents and there was no receptacle for it because they were busy, because they were wounded themselves, because whatever was going on in that journey, I really found that my pleasure matters. It matters mm-hmm. so much because it it creates a container for my children's love for me. Mm, it can't so land. Put. It can't land when I'm sick or when I'm tired or when I'm resentful of them, mm-hmm. you know, even secretly, right? Like what, you know, there are no secrets really in this motherhood experience. Like, so I, I just, I really, really relate. Of course, that'll lead to postpartum depression, which we haven't actually covered in this podcast yet, which I'm just so thrilled to be um, honoring with you. Can you tell me about it? Yeah. So um, I'll give you a little backstory. So Gabe and I have been together about 10 years and he owns bars and restaurants. When we met, he was just opening his first bar called Broken Shaker. Um, It's pretty infamous bar in Miami, New York and LA, Chicago now. But it was just a pop up at the time. And so we were dating at the most inconvenient time of his life. And he was super noncommittal. He didn't trust me. I didn't trust him. And we had a really insane, rocky relationship for like a good three and a half years. And we finally got to this place where we were so obsessed with each other. We didn't want to break up because we didn't want anybody else to be with each other. But like we also would fight every single day it was extremely toxic so we went to a conscious uncoupling coach and I was like listen if you can help fix us great and if we are not fixable then just help us untangle this emotional obsession with each other Mm. I'm completely ambivalent to the outcome Mm. I don't care I'm not attached I just don't want to live like this anymore And it was actually my first lesson in non-attachment. And we did six months of therapy together. We literally, it was kind of like a 12-step program Mm. where it was just like, don't drink today. It was just like, don't fight today. And we had like code words and like funny nicknames for each other. He literally like renamed me in his phone as Marta, which is this like code word for like the demon within me, the shadow self. And he was like Marta with like devil emojis. And like... We finally um, got over like that crazy tumultuous part. And I think we hadn't been fighting for maybe like three or four months mm. of total. One day at a and time. And literally one day at a time. Like yeah. the next best step, one day at a time, yeah. don't fight. And then finally, like within that six months, I got pregnant. Wow. And I already said to him before, we'd been together so long at this point. I knew him really well and he'd be a great dad. And I was like, you know, if we're having this child, if I get pregnant, 
and so I got pregnant. We had just moved to LA from Miami. I've lived here now going on 15 years. At the time, it was like 12 or something. He lived here for most of his life from Columbia. Mm. And so it was like this big move out to LA. I was a yoga teacher. Mm. I had worked at all the big studios here, managed them. And I was so excited to move to LA to start this yoga teacher career. I wanted to be like on the Wonderlust tour and like famous yoga teacher traveling all over the world and like here was my like this like moment had arrived and then I found out I was pregnant and I didn't feel the confidence to go out and teach in this big city and like new space so I was at this turning point of of what should I do but simultaneously we went there to open Broken Shaker and it didn't, it was supposed to open two months later. It didn't open until the day I gave birth. Oh, literally wow. the week I gave birth, he was not open. He was not at his restaurant and bar and he had three outlets on that property and he was supposed to be there working his ass off, obviously. And instead he was home with me for the next two weeks. Wow. And the you reason know, I shared that gone a different way. Totally. There's a many directions that all, all of that could have gone. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, there, there are a lot of men who would have, um, just gone straight to work, you know, but you had done all that work together. Yeah. And what's really remarkable about not having his job open for those nine months Mm -hmm. that was that he wasn't really working. He would just go into the construction space, check on it once a week and have his conference calls. So, we spent those nine months really bonding. It was like a nine-month extended baby moon. We oh. had never, neither one of us, never not worked in our entire lives mm. since the age of 15 on. Mm. Like we are hustlers in the hospitality, in the wellness business. And it was this beautiful moment of decompression mm. before our whole life changed. Mm. And so I wasn't working. I hadn't built a career when I had my daughter. I hadn't like rebuilt, reestablished. And so that was a lot of the frustration when I had her. There was nothing to go back to. Um, and I feel like there's so many women like that who leave. They know it's like the end of their time in corporate or the end of the time in their job. And when they leave, they plan on just taking six months off or so. And it's like there's just nothing to return to. So hence the pivot queen but like we're masters of creators Mm. we're we're born to create like that is our essential being all humans but women in particular yeah and so I trusted that and and so there's there's more to that story but I want to hear it and I want to know about how postpartum depression came in and then ended up being a teacher of sorts to you yeah it was a a hard, beautiful teacher. So the next phase after that, after they opened Broken Shaker, was to move to New York and open the next Broken Shaker. So we were on this like tour. We were living between Miami, New York, and LA. Samaya was uh, about three months old. So Mm -hmm. a new baby. I'm in a new phase of my life being a mom Mm -hmm. without a career, without a community, without friends Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. I'm in New York City. On top of it, we're foodies, so we're like eating bagels and black seed and like black seed. That's what my best friend. No way! Yeah. Oh, we love black seed. They're amazing. Oh my gosh! Shout out to Ray and Noah of Black that's Seed awesome. Bagels. 
Yeah. We're big fans. Yay. So I was eating bagel sandwiches as often as possible. There was no bounce back for me, no snap back. I was totally out of routine. Um, being a yoga teacher, I think that I ate croissant. I, I got away with eating croissants and like pastries all the mm-hmm. time because I was teaching and sweating and working out and 28 mm. and now I'm 32 and living in New York, living a very stagnant life and mm. not, I didn't have the self-motivation to practice on the floor of that nasty studio New York apartment <laughs> or even like the, the, like, I couldn't get over the hurdle to like make time for myself either. Oh, so I'm many so of us tired. Feel that way. Yeah. I was so tired. It's real like the hormonal shift, the the sleep deprivation and also like, you know, for those of us who are coming into it with a mother wound of any sort, some some are from the opposite, you know, end of the the spectrum, but overgiving, undergiving, whatever it is, if you come to motherhood with stuff Mm-hmm. it's already we all come to motherhood with stuff of course we all come that and the crazy part about about motherhood is like when you're especially your first kid you read every damn book you watch every video you google all the stuff and you obsess over preparing like your labor and your birth plan and mm-hmm. you ask friends you know, maybe modern day women, we ask friends, what are the gory details? Like, what can I expect? Like, even if you go that far, you know, yeah, you listen to this podcast to, to you listen try to this podcast yeah, to try and figure to it out, to try to get like some atmospheric mm. understanding of it. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing like what happens in that first three to six months and then repeats, mm. repeats, repeats every three to six months for mm. at least four and a half years mm. on my experience. Um, because when you they say like your transition from like labor to like having your child is going to be a reflection of like what postpartum is like Mm. and so like your your pregnancy is like no indicator of like what your birth is like you can have like a really beautiful pregnancy and like a really tumultuous complex birth process uh labor process but they say that your labor process is going to be you the way that you behave and you respond is the way that you will respond to postpartum and to becoming a mother and like where the shadow work lies Mm. and so my labor was all natural i wanted to do it the hard way Mm. um completely free of any drugs completely free of assistance i did it with just a midwife and in water it was totally filmed by the way for jared leto's music video we can talk about that at another time I or love him get back so to that. He's, he's <laughs> um, he had like these camera guys all up in there wow. was, and it was almost 20 hours of labor. Wow. I avoided the pain. The midwife would sit me on the birth ball and she'd say rock on the birth ball during your contraction, sit into it, lean into the pain. And I would literally, she would turn her back and I would jump up. And I was just avoiding, like, Mm. I wanted to do it the hard way, but I didn't actually want to walk through it. Mm. I wanted to do it. I mean, it hurt, but like, also like there's this, you got to lean in, you know, like you have to lean in to those contractions and you have to lean into that trauma Mm. and that discomfort and look at the shadow. Mm. And like, I wasn't willing to really do it. Like Mm. I wanted the badge of doing it, but I wasn't really doing the work. 
And that was exactly what postpartum was like for me. It was, I wanted to be this healed mother, Mm. but I hadn't actually forgiven my mother. So how can I be whole and heal and integrated when I was holding on to so much anger and resentment? Wait, I need to pause. And father. I just need to pause and hold my heart on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you repeat that for me? How could I be a whole healed mother Mm. if I hadn't healed my own mother wound and if I hadn't forgiven my own mother Mm. and my own father and really pushed through and leaned into my own traumas you know so to top all that off we're living in these variables where I don't have very much community I am living for the next bite of hipster food (laughs) the next coffee the next matcha i'm just like going restaurant to restaurant all day long with gabe that's all i remember about you new york it was like hot sweaty summer eating food (laughs) and no routine it's i mean new york's the best (laughs) like it wasn't the healthiest let's just say that i think we all know that and so i was gaining weight i also revisited my Uh, binge eating disorder Mm. bulimia Mm. because I couldn't bear I was just gaining gaining and I just didn't again I didn't want to do the work the bulimia was also part of the trauma I was so angry at my parents we were missionaries kid I was a missionaries kid they're pastors and I lived on seven acres when I was 13 and I was homeschooled Mm. for the first time ever at 13 Mm. and put on this seven acre farm thing you're so extroverted i can't imagine you just like on a farm can you imagine that was the trauma it's been that was the trauma it's been exactly 29 minutes and i'm like that that bitch can't be on a farm being homeschooled no that's why self-expression and pivoting and all these things are so important to me because it's like my core being of who i am you're so urban you're so urban west virginia honey it was awful what wheeling west virginia yeah crazy can I pause and just say that yeah you know there are probably people listening who hear you say um I didn't want to do the work and might you know um might relate and might be inspired by that to do the work and that there might also be the the woman who is dealing with you know postpartum issues and um and bulimia and I just want to say like there is a reason why the psyche is not ready yet to do the work. And I want to honor that, Danielle. Mm. It's minute 30 of me knowing you. But there was a reason why you weren't ready. And there's nothing mm-hmm. like a little being in your care to inspire readiness. And there are so many people, even with a child, even with you know, a yoga certification and uh, uh, like deep conscious loving who just aren't ready yet. And I I just want to honor that it takes what it takes when it takes, you know, and I I, totally and and I'm glad I'm glad for all of us. Like I like I said in the beginning of our conversation, I'm so glad you chose yourself for the rest of us. I'm so glad and I'm so glad you are, uh, you know, got to the other side of it and you were willing to do the work and sit in the contractions of life mm-hmm. and of trauma the contractions of life and yeah, thank you and yep and it, it and it's it's not um it's not easy and i just wanna just wanna like love on 
whatever part of you and anyone else who just is not ready. Yeah, and I think that also th- there's so many layers of healing, right? Layer uh, healing is not linear. Healing is cylindrical, it's spherical, and it's more like a swirl <coughs> moving upward where the rings get tighter and tighter or they loosen and loosen where they become less the pattern becomes less often right and so the spiral up where it becomes really tight is like it's that constant patterning you know and I was in a moment of constant patterning but the truth is is that before when I thought I had healed I had really just made my way around one circle Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah it went up for a moment Mm -hmm. for me to see how deep that trauma went Mm -hmm. and how much those wounds really needed some tending Mm -hmm. and so I'm really glad like you're saying like I wasn't ready I wasn't emotionally ready I wasn't even aware of what I needed healing on to be honest you know I done reason you know sometimes we just hide these things away from ourselves because it is too painful it's too painful and it's so part of our self-protection and our mechanisms are to hide that pain from ourselves and to pretend that everything was fine right because that's what you had to do as a child right you had to get back up pretend that it's fine show face everyone thinks I'm so confident Mm. and that I've never been through anything Mm. but that was just my mechanism Mm. of function Mm -hmm. so yeah like I wasn't ready I needed to tend to my wounds. I needed to see how deep they were. I needed to find depth and meaning in them as a mom for myself to be able to get the courage to overcome those hurdles as well. Yeah. So that whole six months in New York was really wild. I even came out on Instagram and admitted I was bulimic Mm. with my best friend on Instagram live. Wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a really powerful time. I knew that it was going to be part of the story like a chapter in the book you know and the the crazy part it was is like rewinding back to like what is healing and like what is doing the work I like eight six seven eight years prior had been doing all these peyote and ayahuasca circles I mean like I'm talking I've done over 120 plus oh wow yeah and I literally was like listening to people sit in circles afterwards and do this integration work. And I was like, what are we healing? Like I was so unaware that I even had even experienced trauma in my life at that time. But Danielle, like I think there's nothing like looking at a baby to realize, fuck, I was that fucking vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I was that mm-hmm. impressionable. I was that and sweet pure. and pure and... You know, so much of my um, uh, shielding is like acting cool, acting like I don't mm-hmm. care, aloofness, you know, babies, babies have no sense of that. To Mm-mm. see the rawness of a human being is to see yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like children are so... They're just so honest and so sincere Mm. and so immediate. And to deny them of their need is like really complex. You know, it's it's really hard to do as as a present, you know, halfway present, even Mm. sober person. We'll just say it like that. It's hard to deny the kids needs. 
And so to imagine somebody denying you of your needs, you know, reflecting right. on your own childhood almost yeah. heightened the anger for a long time. Of course. So there was like the first, I think, six to 12 months really into like the pandemic where I was just like so angry, so rebellious. I was going to break the chains of my lineage. Right. And I had this like attitude about it. Like I was going to be like the the buck stops here. Right. And pardon my cat. I love the cat. <laughs> um, I had no idea she was in here. <laughs> She really likes these cords. Um, get, get out of here. So, and so I had this like resentment driving me and I had to really, I, I, you know, another thing is like when your resentment drives you, who are you without your resentment? Did you do the 12 steps in OA? Mm-mm. No. I've never, no, never done 12 steps. Yeah. Uh, Cause, um, no, I, I, I have. Not for bulimia, but for um, like compulsive overeating. I just sort of like kept it in. Maybe sometimes I over over exercised or laxatives or whatever. But um, <laughs> but it was definitely an eating disorder. I did um uh, the twelve steps and resentment is the is like the thing that um that they work on. You know that the that the twelve steps work on because that's what's eating us up alive. I thought I thought maybe you had had you know read that or worked on it in in some capacity but i guess it's just a universal truth i guess i think it just it's a universal truth and also my my therapist mm-hmm. she's an na and 12 steps therapist as well so she's in al-anon and all of that so i think that there's a lot of that integrated into the work i was doing with her yeah so with all this said how did you get through it so I I think I was terrified to take to revisit psychedelics because as a mom because you don't want to let yourself go you don't want to not be present you can't also my previous psychedelic experiences really in ceremony had been through ayahuasca and peyote and there was 12 hour sessions right. so I was afraid to do it but Gabe had already started his journey into psychedelics which was new for him and my postpartum depression got so bad towards the end of the pandemic that I was, I mean, hello, we were in a pandemic also. And how old was she? How, how far out from birth were you? She was about three and a half. Right. It's a long time to And suffer. so it was a long time. Yeah. And so I like to say it was like a layer of de- like there was just always a fog and sometimes it would thin, but it was always there. And so one day I just said to him, I was like, I think I'm going to have to go on medication because I'm having more bad days than good. Right. And no shame in that. Just putting that out there. Yeah. And I didn't want to because not because of the stigma around it, because I just didn't want to be dependent on something personally. Yep. And I knew that if I didn't find my footing for myself, that it was going to be a different life. I could feel myself slipping away in my in my relationship and as even as a mom and I know that the medications could could balance things out but I just knew that I was going to be different if I didn't change directions Mm. and I felt like I was on the floor of my kitchen reaching up to the cupboard out of the dark grabbing this jar of microdoses he had all these different samples and I popped one in my mouth I came to my computer I looked out the window of my office and I was like, 
how am I so sad? I live in fucking paradise. I have a beautiful home, an amazing life, and I can't find any gratitude for it. Mm. And I was doing all the mantras and doing the gratitude practice Mm. and doing the yoga a few times a week. Like, how Mm. can I be so sad? Mm. This is awful. And so that day I sat down to work. I tried for 15 minutes for like the hundredth time to get my to-do list done. And the microdose kicked in Mm -hmm. and I looked outside (laughs) and I was like, fuck this and I shut my computer I went outside and I stood in my pool with my 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 jeans on pulled up and I was just like grounding into the water and you know looking around and getting vitamin d and sun and um I and the next I came back to my office and worked the next day I was in my office for about 10 minutes the next day five the next day I didn't go to my office and I didn't go to the office for the rest of the summer. I got a membership at the Standard, <laughs> and I got did horseback riding, Good. and I took the clients that I had, and I let them taper off, and I was, I knew that there was something else coming. That is so fucking and brave. I, thank you. It was, it was wild. So I did 21 days of microdoses, mm. and I did the, a protocol, five days on, two days off, five days oh. on, two days off. I do four days, five days on, on, two three days, days off. Days off. Yeah, I mean, I I vary it all the time. Oh, now you, How do you right. like that? Yeah. Four days on, three days off. I think as my brain is healing, she's telling me I don't need it as often. And it hits me really deep. Like yesterday, I took a microdose and I was heaving, sobbing about, you know, um, a loss of a, of a, of a friend who overdosed you know, in my therapy session, which I probably couldn't access if I hadn't had that microdose. But, you know, I don't, I don't need it as often as I once did. Isn't it amazing how intuitive they are? Yeah. They're so, the mushrooms are called adaptogens for a reason. And if you've seen Fantastic Fungi, you've seen, seen the really beautiful is- illustration of the mycelium network, which is the roots underground in the system and how it communicates so intuitively. And so you think of mushrooms, especially psychedelics, as an adaptogen for the mind and the brain and the heart and the emotions and the 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 soul experience and they're going to go they're going to first of all they they're an amplifier so anybody who's listening know that they're just not a cure-all you don't pop this pill and everything flatlines and becomes peaceful no you amplify first what is there kind of like that spiral so you can see what is tightly wound and you have to lean into those emotions it makes you very emotional some people cry, some people laugh, some people do experience anxiety when they microdose. And so you have to make sure you have the proper tools and you're in the right headspace because 21 days, the first 21 days was a total roller coaster. Mm. I was like, there was some days I was so productive and the next day I'd be so tired because I would mm. need to integrate everything that I just like literal fears and forgiveness that I had done mm-hmm year it was like a year's worth of list I would do on one day mm-hmm. and then the next day I would just need to like rest and integrate that mm-hmm. and then the next day I would be like really present with my daughter but then I would need to like pull back the next day and like have alone time yeah and so which is totally okay 
Yeah, which is totally okay. But it was such a roller coaster. It wasn't a cure-all. Yeah. So I did two 21-day protocols. And I got halfway through the second protocol. And I think I was like day 10 in. And like you said, it just was like, I could tell my body didn't want it. It was almost going to give me more anxiety to take it than it was going to give me peace. Mm. And so now I just take them intuitively. I pop one probably like, I I take capsules, ground up capsules, probably twice a month, three times a month. Yeah. Half the recommended amount. I take like 0.1. Wow. and so it's re- they really are amazing and they reconnect parts of your the synopsis that are broken. Mm. I literally feel like who I was when I was 17 years old. Mm. I feel like who I was sometimes at 28. I feel like who I was as a new mom, like <gasps> like in the happiest moments, you know, like ugh, like where I'm just like touching my daughter's hand and like rubbing it against my face <laughs> and I can feel that little babiness mm-hmm. that I miss so much. But I actually miss it versus mm. like before I was like, Ugh, so glad that chapter's over. Yeah. You know, so it's really been a dynamic journey. You know, you, you, you called them adaptogens, which they are. And I also am realizing that they allow, it's, it's that um, adaptation energy that allows for pivoting. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's yeah. no way for us to be flexible when we're, as you say, so tightly wound, when the nervous system is just so full of resentment and anger. And I don't say this in a judgmental way at all. There are good reasons to be resentful and angry. Mm -hmm. I honor that. And if we don't deal with them, if we don't really burn up all that anger until we see, oof, what was that? It was a baby crying and not getting her needs met. It was you know, whatever else, not having a role model, whatever the pain was, if we don't loosen that that grip around the nervous system, it's impossible for us to pivot, for us to see opportunity, for us to see opportunity, right? And I think that's so important for mothers, particularly the ones reaching out to you, um, who are looking to find fulfillment in this new being can you speak to you know the new mother and the new person that comes out of the new mother experience yeah becoming a new mother is really is really one on a fantastic journey of discovery that's the Mm. best way I can say it and just being really curious Mm. It's a word we use in wellness and yoga a lot, curiosity, you know, being open and curious to your new identity and to your new role because you're going to be constantly shape-shifting. And, you know, I always said this with entrepreneurs, like you got to keep your head in the game and be ready to go at any time and also simultaneously resting and simultaneously problem-solving. And so it's like, mindset emotion and playing yes it's like it's all these things and so motherhood is like that it's like this constant battle of uh, of, it's not really a battle but it's like a constant juggle of of making sure you know stuff doesn't drop but Mm. also being okay with stuff dropping like it's going to fall it's going to be messy and so just being curious of who you can become 
and what it's asking of you to heal for your children, Mm. what it's asking of you to heal for yourself and what it's asking of you to heal for your family and your ancestors in the past, because we're here to not only heal for ourselves, but seven generations back Mm. and seven generations forward. And so we are not here on this journey alone. We're not just here with our family units. We're not just here with our soul family. We're here with a universal consciousness that extends so far beyond what we're even fathomable of understanding. Mm. And so it's going to be such a ripple effect when you can get curious and really allow yourself to let go of your identity and be non-attached to who you used to be and who you think you are. Mm. Mike? where can we find you for more wisdom for more mm, juiciness keeps coming up to me I don't know like fun I I I find your um, your persona and your personality online to be so um, (laughs) yummy (laughs) thank you so fun and yummy and as I said, embodied, where can we, where can we find more of you and that and whatever else is on tap for Danielle Bigby? Thank you. So at Danielle Bigby on Instagram, that's where I hang out most of the time. My stories are like, you know, a a reality show. You can see like what's happening in my world. It's usually me pointing the camera at everything insane and amazing in my life and motherhood and the simple things in life. And I'm launching a podcast soon. Mm-hmm. We're going to be sister podcasters. Yes. Uh, my podcast is going to be called Rebellious Reinvention. Mm-hmm. That'll be out soon. We're working on production. And DanielleBigby.com. Um, stay tuned, though, for Super Mood. That's S-O-O-P-E-R, Mood. Super Mood. It's superfoods for all your moods functional fungi and friends Mm. that will be launching soon within the next year I'd say and yeah just I I think right now this next chapter for me is all about inspiring people and really being the most embodied woman as you said so that I can share that with the world I'm not selling anything right now I'm just really here to inspire people I really feel that I really feel that Thank you so much for inspiring us today. I can't wait to listen to Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I can't wait to listen to your podcast on the Hoff Studios platform. It's um it's a joy to know you and um Laura Lucetti, man. You really know how to pick them. 